0: Each January, the American Dialect Society comes up with the top three new words for the year. thought I'd share them with you for 2007. First, flog. Anybody know what a flog is? A flog is a fake blog that really isn't a blog at all. It's just an attempt to sell products over the Internet. And you may want to know that 60% of all those who surf the Internet... I find flogs to be annoying. Second top word is merce. I want to take a stab at merse. That's right. A merse is a man's purse. And by the way, I learned that owning a merse in 2007 does not make you a loser like it would have in the later 90s. But the top word, according to the dialect society, is Plutoed. To Pluto someone is to demote or devalue him or her, much like the former planet Pluto, which got demoted by the Astronomical Union this year because it did not meet the criteria for planethood. You know, I've been thinking about that word this week, Pluto. And often when I try to do the work of Jesus Christ in the world, I just feel Plutoed by the world around me, devalued. Visited the hospital the other day and put a quarter into the uh, parking meter downtown. Went up to the hospital, had 30 minutes on the meter. Came back to the parking meter, got into my car, and sure enough, it was 32 minutes over time. And a policeman was writing me up a ticket. And she said to me, would you like to pay it now or later? Thought about that. You know, I was praying with a woman in the hospital. I was consoling her toward the end of her life, and my work for Christ just felt pluto devalued by the world. A couple of weeks ago, a homeless man stumbled into the church looking for $40 for a bus ticket, and I spent an hour with him. And after it was all said and done, I returned to my office and got an email from ESPN.com, an update, pitcher Randy Johnson signs a $19 million contract with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Here I am trying to do the work of Christ and I can't even scrounge together 40 bucks. My work for Christ just felt plutoed, devalued by the world. Received a distressing phone call the other day from a girl who attended a former church of mine who's now at a great college up in Virginia. She feels called to go to seminary. I walked into her her advisor's office and said, I'd like to pursue a master's degree uh, so that I can maybe go and be a pastor at a church. And he said, well, you have such good writing skills. Why would you ever want to do that? My work for Christ just felt plutoed, devalued by the world. You ever felt that way, like the work and sacrifices you make to be a follower of Jesus Christ just get you plutoed by the world, and then you look around and you see your neighbors, some of whom are not following Christ, and it just seems that they're beating you in life, especially when it comes to achievement and social climbing. Meanwhile, you're being honest, trying to play by the rules, and you just feel plutoed by the world. you ever felt that way? If so. You're not alone. I'd invite you to stand for a reading from the Scripture. It comes from Psalm 73. Here now the psalmist's feelings. No doubt about it, God is good. Good to good people. Good to the good-hearted. But I nearly missed it. Missed seeing His goodness. I was looking the other way, looking up to the people at the top, envying the wicked who have made it, who have nothing to worry about, not a care in the whole wide world. Pretentious with arrogance, they wear the latest fashions in violence, pampered and overfed, decked out in silk bows of silliness, they jeer, using words to kill. They bully their way with words. They're full of hot air, loud mouths disturbing the peace. People actually listen to them. Can you believe it? Like thirsty puppies, they lap up their words. What's going on here? Is God out to lunch? Nobody's tending the store. The wicked get by with everything. They have made it, piling up riches. I've been stupid to play by the rules. What has it gotten me? A long run of bad luck, that's what. A slap in the face every time I walk out the door. If I had given and talked like this, I would have betrayed your dear children. Still, when I tried to figure it out, all I got was a splitting headache. Until I entered the sanctuary of God, then I saw the whole picture. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be seated, please. The psalmist has got a splitting headache, and can you blame him? He looks around the world, and what he sees is that the wicked are prospering. Think of the adjectives in that scripture passage, pampered, rich, wealthy. And the psalmist, here he is, just playing by the rules. And he looks around the world and he sees this and he says, what is going on here? In fact, he begins to believe in the illusion that is the world around him. And it's at this moment of utter deception that the psalmist has a wake-up call. He says, it was not until I entered the sanctuary of God that I got the whole picture. I think the most important thing I learned from this scripture passage is simply this. When we come to worship God, when we enter the sanctuary of God, our vision gets corrected. Last week, Pastor Michael talked to you about how worship is first and foremost about God. But what I get from this scripture is that worship is not only intended for God, but it's also intended for us. Because when we enter this sanctuary of God, we get that same eye exam the psalmist got. Worship corrects our vision. So what I wanted to do today was share with you four ways I think worship does just that. Corrects our vision. And the first is, worship corrects our vision of the world. You may know, the psalmist found out that life is not what it seems. Those people who are wicked and prospering, they weren't really prospering at all. And how the psalmist comes to realize this is that he enters into the sanctuary of God. He sees the world from God's point of view, from God's perspective. For example, if you ever watch the 5 o'clock news, you may know that they often give a traffic report. And to get good perspective, they don't just send a news van right into the middle of the traffic, do they? No. What they do is they send out a helicopter to hover above all the traffic so that viewers might get a perspective of how the world really is, a perspective of the situation. That's what worship does. It gives us a helicopter view of life, a new perspective. And, you know, i got to be honest with you. I need that perspective. Because in the world I live, I often struggle to distinguish God's values from the world's values. For example, woke up on Wednesday morning and like I always do, read the paper. And what I learned is that if you are in Generation Y, now Generation Y is defined this way, you're between the ages of 18 and 25, the top two goals for your life are wealth and fame. I'll read it straight from the paper. 81% of 18 to 25-year-olds surveyed in a research poll released today say that getting rich is their generation's most important or second most important goal in life. 51% said the same thing about being famous. That was the psalmist's situation. He came so close to that 81%, so close to that materialism and wealth that he began to believe in the illusion that is the world around him. But it was not until he entered the sanctuary of God that he got a glimpse of reality. That's what worship is. A fundamental redefinition of reality. For example, many of us go to the office from 9 to 5 every Thursday. And then as if we don't get enough of dose of the office at the office, what do we do on Thursday night? We watch the hit television show, The Office. Why do you think that is? Why do you think the closer a video game or television or a movie comes to reality, we enjoy it more? It's because God has wired us to desire reality. And I have good news and bad news about this. The good news is that if you come to worship looking for reality, you're going to find it. You come here to New Heights on Sunday, and the reality of God's values will become evident. But here's the bad news. If worship does not find reality for you, does not define reality for you, the world will. And you'll get a splitting headache. Just ask the psalmist. He looked around the world and he got a headache. It was not until I entered the sanctuary of God that I got a complete perspective. Worship corrects our vision Of the world. And then a second thing I think worship does is it corrects our vision of ourselves. One of the hardest things to do in life is to admit that God is God and we are not. And the place where that happens over and over again is in worship. Last Sunday, I told the folks in the sanctuary a humorous story about God telling Peter that he was going to punish a golf idolizing pastor who one day skipped worship to play a round of 18 holes. Turns out that the pastor just smokes the course, shoots one under par, and then to top it off on the 18th hole, he has a hole in one. And Peter comments to God, God, I thought you were going to punish this guy. To which God responds, I did. Who's he going to tell about it? There's something deep in our soul that demands we express our gratitude to God. And when we naturally do that in worship, we get to say, thank you. And we get to surrender saying, God, you are God and we are not. No longer do we have to be God. You know, I think that was the problem with those other people in the Psalms. They got so rich and so powerful and so famous that they no longer had to worship God anymore because they had made, they were gods. They made God into an idol of themselves. They didn't need to worship. They didn't need to say, Thank you, God. The great theologian G.K. Chesterton once said the worst moment for the atheist is when he or she is really thankful and has no one to thank but themselves. No one to thank. That was their predicament. That was the psalmist's predicament. But it was not until he entered the sanctuary of God that he saw the whole picture worship corrects our vision of the world it corrects our vision of ourselves and then i think third worship corrects our vision of god you know often when i uh, live my life i often like to look at god through the reverse end of a telescope i like to make god look really really small and it's an easy mistake for a heady person like me to make i like to rationalize god i don't like mystery John Ortberg once observed that the world will do anything it can to eliminate mystery. Whether you have caller ID, we can now know the gender of babies before they are born. We know the um, results of an exit poll before we even vote. We watch television shows that give us the secrets of our best magician. The world seeks to destroy wonder, and then we ache for it. But I'll tell you, when I enter the sanctuary of God, I'm reminded that the God I worship can move a mountain or can feed 5,000 people out of a lunchbox with just a couple fish in it. When I enter the sanctuary of God, I get a complete understanding of God. Now that's so important to have a correct image of God because if you don't, what you choose to see in life Your actions will follow that. For example, I read a very ironic comment the other day uh, about uh, stress disability claims. And it turns out that stress disability claims increase after people have attended stress management workshops. And the reason for this, say researchers, is because those workshops can often teach people to see more stress in their lives. What you choose to focus on will determine your outlook in life. So if your God is too small, there's not much hope for your health situation or for your broken relationships or for your ministry to others. But when you come here to worship God and you feel the wonder of God, you see that God is powerful and that there is hope. It was not until I entered the sanctuary of God, says the psalmist, that I got the whole picture. Worship corrects our vision of ourselves. It corrects our vision of the world. It corrects our vision of God. And then fourth and finally, I believe worship corrects our vision of the future. It gives us a glimpse of what it's going to be like to sit at the right hand of God. You know, there's a story about an artist who one day decided to paint his life masterpiece. So he put up a huge canvas in the back wall of his uh, art studio. And then every day he painted his masterpiece on that canvas. You know, a a couple uh, swipes of dabs of blue there and a couple dabs of gray there. And he worked on this for weeks and weeks. And then a stranger stumbled into his studio. And he asked the artist, well, what is that? And the artist said, that's my life masterpiece. That's what I've been working on. Isn't it magnificent? And the stranger replied, no, actually it looks like just a, random, a lot of random dabs of paint. And the artist said, oh, I forgot. You can only see what's there while I can see the picture as it's going to be. Even though we may feel plutoed by the world right now, worship gives us an opportunity to see what our future with God is might be like. I'll close with a story about four rabbis who lived in Israel and one day decided they were going to go visit Rome. And it was about 95 A.D., about 65 years after Jesus' death. And the relationship between Israel and Rome was a strained relationship. Uh, The Romans had come into Israel and just torched the city, burnt down everything, burned down uh, the temple of God there, just left the city in complete ruin But nevertheless, these four rabbis from Israel were going to go visit Rome. So they step off the boat there in Rome and they see this magnificent city. All of the Roman temples that the Romans had not built to God, that they had built to themselves. And they were shining and they were beautiful. And three of the rabbis just dropped down on their knees and began to cry. Shouting out to God, God, our temple is in ruin. But the ones that the Romans have built to themselves, they're just absolutely magnificent. God, how could this be? But one of the rabbis was smiling. So the other three rabbis turned to this guy and said, Look, man, why are you smiling? And this is what he said. He said, If God will do that for those who do not even care about him, Imagine what God will do for those who love Him and want to be with Him. Until I entered the sanctuary of God, then I got the whole picture. Look around the world and you will see that the wicked have it good. But I want to tell you that in the long run, the righteous have it better.